Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi everyone, this is your host Kelly from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today, our story comes from the gathering at Auburn, Alabama. Our storyteller, Katie, will share the journey of how God has sustained her family through the ups and downs of infertility and domestic adoption. You'll celebrate with her as she shares how he faithfully built her family in his timing. But I know you'll also be able to recognize and relate to the agony and the heartache that she experienced during the whole process. If you've ever faced infertility, or if you've ever gone through adoption, whether it's domestic or international, you know that it is an emotional roller coaster. And Katie had to learn to trust God through that. One of the most touching parts of her story is her heart for birth mothers. And the way she has loved and encouraged birth moms is so inspiring to me. And I know it will be to you. Here's Katie. I'm so excited to be here tonight, guys. Um, I've loved storytellers for a really long time, and I used to want to just jump in my car and drive to Birmingham and be there live to listen, and so I'm super thankful that now Auburn has storytellers, too. Um, And the ladies that have shared before me are all dear friends of mine, and I have been super encouraged by their stories, and I'm just thankful for them and um, for this ministry as a whole. Um... Sorry, my voice is shaking. My hands are shaking. Um, I think it's really important because I think we all too often forget what God has done. And I think when we share our stories, um, we're reminded of his faithfulness. And so um, I think it's really important that we that we do that together. And so even though I'm crazy nervous, um, I'm super thankful to um, be here tonight and to shout what God has done um, in my story. I do want to say... Um, that I'm a crier. I'm going to go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, For those of y'all that know me, you know that that's not only true, it's an understatement. So um, I'm going to try to be brave tonight, but Brooke might regret asking me at some point (laughs) in the story. I hope not. But um, I've lived in Auburn most of my life, Um, grew up here, have two amazing parents, Honey and Papa, as they're now known. My mom is here tonight, and her birthday is tomorrow. So happy birthday, Mom. Um... I have um, a little brother that I adore that lives in Atlanta with his family, and um, my husband and I both went to high school here, um, good old Auburn High, but we didn't date until college, and I stayed here for college also, and um, I was a fashion major at Auburn, and um, I feel like God really used um, that four years of my life to make my faith real to me and to really deepen my relationship with him. 
my sophomore year, Ben and I started dating, and things kind of moved quickly because we had known each other for so long. So we dated for 10 months and got engaged, and then 10 months later, um, we got married. And Ben was accepted to med school at the University of South Alabama in Mobile, so we moved there and um, got married December 27th of my senior year so I could follow him to Mobile for med school. Um, We have three precious kiddos. Campbell is 12, just turned 12. Foster is 7, and Bishop is 2. And those kids and how God chose to grow our family are a huge part of my story and um, what I want to share with you all tonight. So... Um, Like I said, we lived in Mobile for four years for medical school, and we had Campbell his last year of medical school. And right after that, we moved to Birmingham for residency. Um, And we had talked about wanting to grow our family already. We knew we wanted our kids close together. Um, You know, how we all make these plans that we think are just going to go exactly the way we think they're going to go. And um, so we had already started trying for a second child. And... um, One night, Ben called me from the hospital, and he had bad news. He had been accidentally stuck with a needle from a very sick HIV patient that he was taking care of. Um, And so my heart dropped, and um, I just was like, oh, my gosh, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for growing our family? Will we ever be able to have more kids after this? Um, And so Ben really just, we... We trusted the promises that we knew to be true. Um, We knew that God would meet us wherever this took us, but he had to have a multiple series of tests to see if he would contract the disease. So he would have one test and then wait several weeks and then have another test. And that went on for several months. Um, So it, it just felt like it took a really long time and drug on. But thankfully, all of the tests came back negative. And God spared Ben, and we were so grateful, um, so, so thankful. And we just kind of felt like the worst was probably over, and we could just move on with growing our family and that everything was going to be okay. Um, But a year later, we still weren't pregnant, and our doctor was really concerned. And so he sent us to a fertility clinic in Birmingham, and um, I would spend the next three years there at that fertility clinic multiple times a week doing blood work and um, lots of different treatments and surgeries and I know a lot of y'all are familiar with that unfortunately but um, that was a really dark season for us Um, my friends were moving on with their families and um, just going to baby showers and genuinely wanting to be happy for your friends because you are. And yet I was still grieving the fact that that was not a part of my story at that time. Um, It was all consuming. It just got to be honestly too much for our family and for our marriage. And we just knew it was kind of time to close the door on that and, um, and move forward. Um, And I had at this time, I had gotten used to crying all during the worship service at church. It was just the new norm for me. Um, I just couldn't hide my pain anymore. And I felt like one Sunday in church, as the tears are strolling down my face when I'm singing, um, that God really just reassured me that um, that was what authentic worship looked like, that I could be in a place where I was hurting and in pain and still worship him. And that's really all he asked of me. And so um, I found a lot of freedom in that. 
um, just knowing that it was going to be okay. And I think at that time, he started to really reassure my heart that this was, this had little to do with having another baby. And it had everything to do with me resting um, in him alone and surrendering all of this to him. And um, that just was a turning point for me in, in my faith in this super hard season for our family. And I just had this peace rush over me that it was okay, that whatever he was doing was okay. Um, I love the verse from Isaiah forty three nineteen. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And a couple Sundays later, um, our pastor said that it was Orphan Sunday. And so he called everyone up onto the stage that had adopted or had been adopted. And um, we were going to a pretty large church at that time. And so the stage just flooded with people, and it was full. And that sight just totally overwhelmed me. Um, I felt like God said, this is my something new. This is for you. And um, I was just overjoyed, and this this spark of hope um, sprung up in me that had not been there for a really long time. And um, I was just so, so grateful for that. Uh, Ben and I started researching adoption agencies, and we went with Lifeline in Birmingham, where we were at the time. Um, And we started talking through international adoption versus domestic adoption. And I was super excited about international adoption because Ben had done some medical mission work in Africa. And we wanted to take our family back there one day. And so I was like, this is a great connection. This is a good fit for our family. Um, And surprisingly, (laughs) Ben felt super strongly about domestic adoption instead. And um, that scared me to death because I knew there would be a birth family involved. Um, I knew they could live near us or even in our own town. Um, I knew that would be messy. I didn't know what it would look like or how to navigate that. I just knew that I didn't really want any part (laughs) in it. Um, But thankfully, God started changing my heart and kind of moving me in the same direction. And so um, we did jump into home studies and paperwork and all the fun stuff that adoption um, entails. Uh, But we were super excited about that phase and this something new. And then one day, I just didn't feel right. I woke up, and I was like, oh, I just don't feel good. And, um, of course, the thought enters my mind. I'm like, could I be pregnant? And then, no. I mean, of course, there's no way that I'm pregnant. And that was such a place of pain that I didn't even want to go back there. And so I really just wanted to take a test so I could move on and put that aside and shut my brain down so that it wouldn't keep thinking about all the what ifs um and so I took the test very casually and you know thought I've taken so many of these in the past and I know what it's going to look like and um it's not going to be a big deal and I'm going to move forward but I nonchalantly walked past it and it did not look like all those other tests um it was positive which completely shocked me. I had been on no medications. I had done no treatments. It was just positive. And um, I so badly wanted to come up with some creative idea to tell Ben because we'd been waiting for so long, but there was just no time for that. I called him and blurted it out in the middle of his work day. And I think he, it took him forever to realize I wasn't joking. He totally thought I was playing a joke on him. And 
um, we were just so thankful for this miracle that we were shouting it from the rooftops to anybody that would listen. Um, we did not wait 12 weeks like they tell you to tell anybody. I mean, as soon as I took that test, we were just telling everybody that we knew um but I did go to the doctor for my first visit and a couple days later I got a phone call from my doctor um and he said that my HCG levels had dropped and um that I had miscarried and I just remember collapsing on the floor in my kitchen and Campbell looking at me like what is going on um and as much as I wanted to pick myself up I couldn't I just I couldn't get up um it just seemed so wrong that for years we would beg God for this baby um, and that we would finally have our hearts turned towards something new with adoption. And then here we turn our hearts back towards pregnancy just for him to take it away. That just seemed cruel and unfair and um, and not like him at all. Um I had been talking to my best friend since fourth grade, um, Jessica, that prayed for me tonight um, on the phone. She's also the daughter of an OB, and so she had been asking me all the right questions, and uh, she had asked if I had any physical signs of a miscarriage, and I hadn't, but I didn't even know what I was looking for. I'd never miscarried before, and so she, she called her dad and told him what was going on and she was a little bit worried and so he's kind of like my second dad and he called me and he said Katie I really want you to go in and have your blood work redrawn just to double check and I so did not want to do that I did not want to walk back in to that doctor's office with all those pregnant bellies and hear that awful news all over again um but I went and then I drove around all afternoon I think in the car just blaring Hillsong as loud as I could and begging God for another miracle. And um, my nurse called that afternoon, and I will never forget how her voice sounded. She was completely confused but also excited, and she said, Katie, I don't know what happened. I have no clue what's going on. I just know that you're still pregnant, and you've got to get up here right away for an ultrasound. Um, So I grabbed Ben. And I grabbed Campbell, and um, she got to go to the ultrasound with us, which was so sweet. And so she got to see that miracle heartbeat with her own eyes and see what God had done. And um, it was a sweet, sweet day. And we were, I'll never forget, we were leaving the office and walking through the waiting room, and she insisted on calling my mom. (laughs) And she just was screaming in the waiting room, which was so embarrassing, but also so sweet. In her little, like, three-year-old, four-year-old voice, she said, Honey, the doctor were wrong our baby is not in heaven our baby is alive and I will never forget those words sweetest words ever so our miracle baby boy Foster was born January 12th 2012 um and he's still bringing a lot of joy and light to our lives um But God had already obviously set our hearts on fire for adoption, and we knew that we would finish that one day. Um, And so around December of 2015, we found a new social worker here in Auburn who's actually here tonight. Um, And she was a gift sent straight from the Lord for sure. Um, We had to redo our home study, redo all the paperwork, And by May of 2016, we were considered a waiting family. And so then we started to see birth mom situations after that. Um, 
And with each situation that I saw, God was starting to chip away at my heart and melt my heart for birth moms. Um, I probably saw 25 different situations before we were matched. And God really showed me that with each situation I saw, even if it wasn't a mom that I was going to be matched with, that I had the privilege and the joy to know her story and to pray for her. And so um, that was really special for me um, that I got to know these deep, intimate details of this woman's life, but that it was for a reason. The Lord was allowing me to see this for a reason, and I got to pray for her and for her baby. And um, that was a sweet gift. And I could tell that um, that guy was already starting to work in my life um, for birth moms. But um, with each situation, I kind of wondered, how are we going to know when this is right? And we've already seen so many, and they haven't felt right. But a sweet friend here that had adopted told me, she said, Katie, when you know, you'll, when you see it, you'll know. You're just going to know. And I did not know what she meant by that because I hadn't felt that yet. And I didn't really know exactly what to look for but one day I got an email and I knew and I just the tears came and I called Ben and I called our agency and I said please show her our um, family profile book we would love to be considered and so we started the wait um, just to see who she would choose and we got that phone call that it was us and we were so excited. Um, we set a date to meet over the phone. Um, and so we had a conference call with her and our social worker. And it went so much better than I ever could have imagined. I mean, it was kind of magical. We just had this connection. Um, I think I walked around with a permanent grin on my face for a week after I talked to her on the phone. I just couldn't believe I was actually hearing her voice. And we set a date to fly down and meet her in person and take the kids, which we knew was a little bit of a risk, but we really wanted our kids to get to experience this with us and to be all in. And so, um, we felt like that was the right thing to do, and we just wanted to soak up every moment that we could with her while we while we could. Um, so we flew down, and I got to go to a doctor's appointment with her, and I met her in the doctor's appointment, and it was just surreal that these two women, she and I, that have known each other for five minutes, you know, I'm, I'm standing beside her. She lays in a hospital gown, and we hear this heartbeat together for this baby boy that we both love so much and um, have known each other for five minutes. It was just crazy. Um, but we got to go and meet Ben and the kids for lunch after, and so the kids got to spend some time with her, and it was just this really sweet time. Um, and then we had to come home to prep and get a nursery ready and all that good stuff. Um, my sweet friends from church, we get a first prez here in Opelika, and a lot of them are here tonight. They're my, my tribe. Um, they wanted to do a shower for us, and, you know, with adoption, it's kind of tricky to know what to do and what not to do because until that final paperwork is signed, that baby is not yours. Um, but we decided to do a baby shower for her instead, and it was the best. It was so sweet to me. Um, these, my dear friends brought cards telling her that they loved her and they were praying for her. They brought her, um, gift cards for gas and for food and for things she would need after the hospital. And we got to make her this great big basket 
gift basket to take to the hospital so she could know that Bishop already had a community here waiting on him that loved him and that loved her too. Um, and so we packed up that gift basket and a pack and play and a car seat and all of our stuff and jumped on a plane. Um, we got tons of strange looks because we had all this baby gear and no baby. And people just kind of kept looking at us like, what are they doing? But we were on cloud nine and did not care. We were on our way to um, to meet him. And so we got there the night before so we could take her and her two kids to dinner. And so we we're sitting in the middle of a P.F. Chang's. And she asked me to be in the C-section with her, which was a gift. And um, I just... I felt so honored that she would give me that privilege. Um, so we did not sleep that much that night at all, obviously, but we got to go and be with her in pre-op the next day. And she was really nervous, I could tell, but she was listening to music on her headphones. Um, and so it was time for me to gear up for gown up for the C-section. And I started realizing I don't really like blood or hospitals and I'm getting really nauseated and I have all this gear on and what if I pass out and all these thoughts are going through my head and I'd literally just had to sit outside the OR and pray and I chanted to myself over and over again I can do hard things I can do hard things and it worked for a little while <laughs> um because when we got in there and things got started, I felt a lot better. But I could tell she was super anxious and scared to death. And so I kind of got my face up in her face and I was like, hey, so tell me about the music you were listening to earlier. And she said, oh, it's my church music. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, what's your favorite song? And she said, oh, you know, that new one about the good father. And so she started humming Good, Good Father. And I started singing with her. And, um... So we were singing Good Father when Bishop was born. Um, and I've never felt God's presence so thick and heavy in a room as I did in that moment. And it was um, one of the dearest moments of my life that I'll never forget and that I cherish so much. Um, but we got to take care of him and be with him in the nursery while she recovered. And then we stayed that week and um, spent breakfast until bedtime with her every day because she was alone in the hospital. And so Ben would take care of Bishop and I would take care of her. And um, it was a really emotionally draining week for sure, very long. Um, we didn't sleep very much, but I was so grateful for every second that I got with her. Um, we learned about her family we learned what her favorite foods were all kinds of great things that I knew I could save and tell my son one day um so I was just grateful for every single moment that we got but at the end of the week it was the day that she could be discharged and so we had to go up to sign that final paperwork and so we were waiting in the cafeteria to get the call to go up and sign the papers and we got a call from our social worker, but not to come upstairs. Um, she had had some family come forward to help her, and so she was going to keep the baby. Um, and I can't even really remember. I 
kind of feel like the room was spinning, and I just grabbed Ben and ran as fast as I could because I felt this breakdown coming, and I knew it was going to be ugly. Um, So I was just trying to get outside to the parking deck as fast as I could. And our social worker met us out there, and she said she really wanted to tell you herself, and I just wouldn't let her. I didn't think it was a good idea. And that just broke my heart because I didn't get any closure. I did not get to tell her bye, and that's really what I wanted. But I knew that wasn't the time. Um... So we had to load up in our rental car with an empty car seat in the back seat and drive the 11 hours um, back towards home. Um, And we were going to meet our big kids at a friend's beach house, and that's where we were going to stay until we were allowed to leave the state and head home. But we decided just to stay there for that week. It was Thanksgiving week and just kind of grieve together as a family. The hard part was the big kids weren't with us. And so we really wanted to tell them ourselves. And so, um, they got to the beach thinking they were going to meet him and we had to give them this news. And so that was really heart wrenching to watch them hurt. Um, it was super hard, but I was so thankful for that time together for that week. Um, We had sweet friends that spent Thanksgiving at the beach with us so we wouldn't be alone. And um, I will never never will forget their kindness for sure. Um, But it it was a really good time, I feel like, for our family just to be together. But it was hard to come home, you know, Um, to come home and to a different normal than we had hoped for. and it was it was Christmas time, and um, I knew Christmas was going to look a lot different than we had hoped. But one night, Ben and the kids were decorating the Christmas tree, and I just couldn't do it. Um, I was sitting on the couch, and I just kind of watched them. And um, Campbell came up to me with this card, and she said, Mama, will you mail this to her? And I opened it, and she had made her this beautiful Christmas card and um, told her how much we loved her and that we missed her and that we were praying for her. And God used my little girl, sorry, to reassure me that he was going to heal my heart too. I could see him healing her heart and working in my kids' lives, in my life, in my husband's life. And... um, We had always said throughout the whole adoption that love is never wasted. And I believed that in a whole heart to be true because I knew that we loved her as hard and as well as we could and that we still did. Um, And I knew God wouldn't waste that, and so it would be worth it. And I knew if he wasn't going to waste our love that our pain wouldn't be wasted either. And so... I feel like healing began that night because I got to see it happen in in her little life, and and I knew that God would do that for the rest of us, too. Um, But it was time to start looking at other birth mom situations and kind of move on after that. And it was just weird because none of them felt like her. None of them were her. None of them felt right. And I just began to wonder if we would ever feel that again. Um, And we got an email one day from our agency that was from her just thanking us for that Christmas card. And we had sent her kids some presents for Christmas and she sent me some updates and pictures. And I was so thankful to have those and just kind of know that they were okay. Um, 
but this sting of missing her was really sharp. Um, even months later, getting those pictures and hearing from her, I just was surprised at how my heart reacted even, you know, a little bit later. It just, it still missed her for sure. Um, but uh, one day I had gone to pick Foster up from preschool and we were going to the park um, just to meet some friends. And I got this call from our agency, which I thought was weird because we weren't waiting to hear back from them on anything. And when I answered, two of our social workers were on the line together and they sounded kind of giddy. It was really weird. And they were like, how are you? And I was like, fine, What what is going on? And she said... Katie, she called, and her family backed out, and she wants you to come back. And I just, I think I laughed and cried all at the same time because I just could not believe how this was playing out. Um, But we jumped on a plane and flew back down there the next morning without a moment's hesitation. Um, And it was so sweet to see how God had protected our relationship because when we walked into that library that day, it was as if nothing had happened. And I was so grateful for that. And there was so much redemption and hugging her neck again and getting to sit and talk with her and um, hear her even apologize, which was not needed. But just the sweet conversations we had that day, um, I was so, so grateful for But the hardest thing was walking her out the door that day and saying goodbye. Um, The hardest thing was watching her tell Bishop goodbye and, um, and just knowing that one mama's heart was healing that day, but one mama's heart was breaking. And that was super hard to watch. But I am so thankful that we serve a God that takes all of our brokenness and our pain and he uses it, every single ounce of it, and he healed us. And that was my prayer for her and just what I wanted more than anything. Um, And there's still a little bit... I feel like I'm sniffing into the microphone. I'm sorry. Uh, there's there's still some hard to our story. Um, I wish I could say it was kind of all roses after that, but um, this story is not just my story. It's Bishop's story, too. And so there are some things that I don't share just because I want to protect and honor him um, and save that for when he gets to be old enough to tell his own story. I think that's super important for him. Um, I wish I could say that we got to check in with our Mama D, as we affectionately call her at my house, Um, but we don't get to check in with her now, and I really hope and pray that God changes that one day, but if he doesn't, I am just overwhelmingly grateful for every moment that I got with her, for the relationship that he gave us with her, and... um, I'm just so thankful um, for all of that that I'll get to share with Bishop one day. I'm thankful that we have that. Um, I have wrestled with that, with missing her. And our uh, adoption consultant told me one time, she said, Katie, you're going to get to tell Bishop one day that Mama D chose you not only once, but she chose you twice. And I think that was so helpful for me to be able to have that and hang on to that on those hard days. Um, but I'm so 
also just so thankful that God changed my hard heart that um, at the beginning of this adoption, a relationship that I was so scared of and wanting nothing to do with um, was the greatest gift of our adoption um, because we gained so much more than a son that day. We, um, we gained her. We gained her kids, her family. Um, and Mama D and all the relationships that we made through our adoption are definitely God's immeasurably more to me through all of this. Um, relationships with friends that look more like Bishop than look like me. Um, and getting texts from them that say, Katie, no question is off limits. You can ask us anything. Um, but we, we believe in you and we know you can do this. Um, those things just mean the world to me, even down to a barber who loves our little boy as much as we do and is super patient with him. And he um, helps me keep all that gorgeous hair in good shape, which is no easy task, um, I promise. But although our family did not grow easily or according to my plan, um, the story that God wrote gave me immeasurably more than all I could have ever asked for or imagined. And um, I love to advocate for birth moms now, um, to tell of their bravery and to help them get the resources and the support that they need. Um, Brave Love and Three Strands are two great ministries that I love um, for that and also just for racial reconciliation ministry. Um, it's super timely and important right now. Be the Bridge is my favorite ministry for that. Um, just because we are a transracial family, I know that there is, you know, probably some hard on the road for us to walk ahead and I see a lot of sad heartbreaking things in the news that scare me and I hope don't have to be part of my little boy's story but they might be um and even if they are I know that that same God that was with us in the fertility clinic and at the doctor's office that day and in the hospital will still be the same God that is with us for each of those moments um and I know that we can trust him because he is a good, good father. And thank you all so much for letting me share tonight. Okay, we can open it up for questions now. So. Anybody else? I have two. Okay. <laughs> How old was Bishop when you found me that to bring him So he was four months. When we went back, okay. yeah. And then, I'm sorry if I missed this part of your story. No. It was only because I was probably thinking about another part. <laughs> um, so Campbell is your oldest. When She's was oldest. She, born? she was born in 2007. Were y'all in? Um, we were in Mobile when she was born. Um, it was right before we moved to Birmingham for residency. So, so she was born in his fourth year. Her? We did not. No. Um, the daughters gave me what they called secondary infertility. I mean, there were no answers. Um, we never really got like a clear, you know, we went through all of the testing, both of us, all the stuff. I had multiple surgeries and all that. Um, and I, I remember mom and like tons of other people just being like, okay, well, what did they say? Like, what's the reason? What's the reason? And um, as bad as we wanted one at the beginning, I felt like 
towards the end, it just felt like this is just, and even afterwards, now looking back, I feel like it's adoption is something we would have done anyway, but I feel like God just kind of got us to that point then through infertility. Um, You know, I just feel like it was not his timing, and I feel like it's just what we went through, but there was never really an answer or a reason why, so I think it was just him. When you went back... When Bishop was four months old, mm-hmm. was there still that possibility of you leaving without him again? Or was that a for sure papers were signed? No. <laughs> um, I just can't have, I, yeah. I'm trying to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Was it um, Mom definitely felt like that too. <laughs> um, and one of my good friends here, whose husband's a lawyer, was like, You're not going back unless it's done. And I was like, it can't be done. It's never done. Um, You're supposed to sign your paperwork in each other's presence. Um, Like, you're all supposed to be there. So, and we asked that, but it couldn't be done ahead of time. So we we had to get on the plane not knowing. Um, And there was even a time, like, as we were getting off the plane... The social worker called us from the library and said, hey, she's she's getting kind of panicky. I think she's afraid she's never going to see you again, you know. And so I got real panicky then because we had already landed. And um, I said, let me talk to her. And she put her on the phone. And, you know, I just said, Mama D, you know that we love you, that this is very little to, even to do with Bishop. Like, no one's running away. And I just tried to be open and honest with her because I felt like she had tried to do that with me um and and she felt better you know I think she just needed to hear my voice and I think we just needed to talk um to each other and not through somebody else and but our social worker had been with us through all of this obviously and so she she knew you know that our hearts had broken and I know she didn't want to see that again so she even said um I'll call I'm gonna let her sign and you just be in the parking lot and I'm going to call you when she signed, and then you can. I will not let you walk in this room until it's done. Um, so yes, we could have gone home without him, but we wouldn't have had to go through all of it again. So she did sign before we got there, thankfully. But so I got we got to run in just happy and you know feeling good about it. So thankful for that. Katie, do you hope to maintain your relationship with her? I know you said now you don't really have any contact with her, but do you hope, like, for Bishop's life, you'll be able to have that? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, it was, you know, they usually call adoptions open or closed, and ours was supposed to be open. I mean, she wanted a relationship with us, and we were thankful for that. Um, but, I mean, to make a long story short, it's it's mainly just her family it's been kind of complicated they don't know us and um I don't I think a lot of them are not believers and I think it's just hard and messy you know um and so it's just it it wasn't our choosing but it's just kind of the way that it is for right now and um I go back and forth you know obviously I want a relationship with her because I think it's what's best for Bishop um uh, you know research has shown that any bit of information any connection they can have is so good for them as they grow up and um and I believe that to be true um but at the same time I also think that maybe she just needs some closure too um and if that's what she needs for her heart then I want her to have that and you know we have 
already what we have, and I'm thankful because a lot of people don't even get that. Um, so I'm I'm thankful that we have some to share with them, and we're just trusting that God will open a door if if that's what's best for everybody. And if it's not, He won't. So, yeah. How old is Bishop now? So he's two. He turned two in November. Yeah, and he is a wild man. <laughs> he is so fun, but he is a little ninja. He climbs out of his crib. And, yeah! There's pictures up here. <laughs> There's a picture. This one right here is is Mama D and me in the library that day um, when we went back to get him. So it's the, it's me and Bishop and Mama D in that picture. Um, so that's a, one of my favorites. And then that was the middle one is with all of us celebrating is um, his finalization day when everything was final in the court. Um, so, yeah. Hey, will you tell more about knowing that, like, this was it, like this was the one... You were saying how you'd been through Uh-oh. and how, like, you pick them and they have to pick you, right? But yeah. What was it about what you read about the mom? So you just get, I mean, you don't have a ton of information. You just get an email and it kind of just, I mean, if they know they, if, they know if the, boys, the baby's a boy or a girl, they'll tell you. Sometimes they don't know that. Um, you just get some, you know, basic details about her. Um, and so with each situation we saw, Ben and I would just kind of pray through it. And some of them were obvious because the amount of money was just so astronomical that we couldn't do it. Um, I feel like God closed doors and made it kind of clear through some of it. But sometimes it was kind of like, I don't know. You know, this is kind of what we thought, but this looks different. But maybe this is still what God has, you know. And um, it's weird, though, because when Joy told me, you'll just know, you know, I was like, what does that mean, though? Because I, I want to be connected to all of these birth moms that I read about. They all sound amazing, and I know that they're just moms in a hard place, and um, I would love to get to love all of them, but it just didn't, I don't know, I think it was just the Holy Spirit just stirring something in me because I I hadn't read much. I just read, you know, our social worker from our agency was like, okay, her the information we have kind of fits with what y'all said you're interested in. So, um, you know, maybe this is worth looking at. And the more I read, I was like, oh, this is worth way more than looking at. Um, but I feel like it was just, yeah, I think it was just the Holy Spirit because there wasn't anything super, you know, um, I don't know. We, it just, it, it just seemed right. I don't know. It was really crazy, but I did. I mean, it was like I just, I didn't have to wait and then tell Ben when he got home from work. I mean, I read it, and I was like, you know, I just called him right away, and we jumped on it. So um, I think I just kind of knew. It was, it was crazy, though. Katie, how old is Mama D? She, um, she was 32 when she had Bissett. So she was 34 now. Yeah, she's not, you know, I mean, there are a ton of young moms that do make adoption plans. But um, she, like I said, she had two children that she parents. Um, her youngest and Bishop are only a year apart. And so that was kind of the majority of the reason. Um, she's single mom and. I think two kids was kind of her full load for right then, and she knew it. Um, but uh, her her son is Bishop's biological brother. Her daughter has a different dad. But um, So that's another reason that I would love a relationship with her is just 
it's just hard to separate siblings, you know, and Bishop's got two amazing siblings at home, um, but he has two others, and so I would love that connection. But again, we have pictures with them and stories with them, and it was really sweet because her kids really took to us. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with her daughter, and it's just it's really sweet. Have you talked to Mama D since that day? I have not, no. How long was the interaction at the library when you got home? We were there for multiple hours. Um, I think it was just, I mean, part of that was, I mean, the social worker did some paperwork, and um, but mainly she kind of just sat back and watched us, and she took a bunch of pictures for me. Then I'm thankful she did, because Ben and I were just kind of overwhelmed, you know, with what was happening, and she sent me all these pictures like a week later, and I was really thankful. She got a bunch of Mom and D and I talking, and in this one serious conversation where she was kind of rehashing some of the hospital stuff, um, I was just really thankful that I got some pictures from that, because I just remember talking back through it, and I'm just so thankful that I got to that we got to have that closure and kind of talk through it. And I felt like that was good for her because she saw that I was obviously not upset with her. And um, I think it was just good for both of us that, you know, we got, we got some time together. So yeah, we stayed and played with her kids um, for hours. And then, you know, it just kind of, after a while it was like, I could tell she just kind of wanted to go and I knew she knew it was going to be hard. And, um, so it just kind of worked itself out, but it was a hard goodbye for sure. It was a really hard goodbye just because, and that was another thing I was thankful for since I had had a biological child. I knew, I mean, I, I knew what she was feeling. I, I mean, I couldn't obviously totally understand, but I knew how hard it would be. Um, and so I think I was, I was grateful for that, that I could, it gave me extra empathy with her. Not, I mean, anybody can understand how that would be hard, but I just couldn't imagine her um, putting him before herself and everything that she was feeling that day. And she did. So. I can't imagine not being angry when you left the first time. I mean, that really was yeah. God's grace in your heart. It was 100% God's grace. And that is not it's not hard for me to see because I know my heart going into it and how scared I was of just any of this. I mean, it was, it seemed so, an international adoption is not easy. Um, Chelsea, my dear friend here who's done it twice, um, that has a whole nother layer of, of hard, but in my naive mind, I thought, you know, I can just leave and say goodbye to another country and, you know, and that is not easy. That is so hard. Um, but I think just knowing the difference and seeing how far God took my heart from from before to after, um, it, I, I know that he just preserved that relationship. Like, because my hurt and my anger were never directed at her. I think if anything, it was probably more at the Lord, just like, why is, why is it happening like this? And this is what you called us to do. Um, that, that love for her was, I mean, and is just real and deep and something that I could never muster up on my own. I just couldn't have done it. I mean, I felt like God just jammed it in there and, I never turned back. And I think the only, even in those four months in between, like I said, when she sent the email and 
we got that update, it was it was only me missing her. You know, um, I just wanted to get to see her again, and um, I don't know. That's nice. <laughs> what you just said. God just jammed it. You <laughs> did. I mean, because I was not going willingly at the beginning. I'm like, Ben, this just makes sense. I am talking about love. I am. Maybe jamming wasn't the best choice of words, but um, so many other things made so much sense to me. And then Ben just threw me this curveball, like domestic adoption. I've just never even thought about that, you know. But I think in Ben's mind, he was thinking, and really, it was just because that was what was for our family, um, because obviously. Like they're both wonderful, but I think he thought, okay, but I see and know of these babies in our country that need homes, and um, and I just feel like God's tugging me there, and that sounded good if you didn't have to deal with all the mess that came with it. But um, anyway, he just wasn't as fearful as I as I was, which is not surprising. But anyway. Did y'all have to stay in the state when y'all got the shelter? You know how you say y'all have to We did, yeah. And Miss Julie laughs because she she had to, in the end, it was really Miss Julie and her, like, snapping her fingers at the people in Montgomery to get us home. So the ICPC process to be able to cross state lines is really, it takes a long time sometimes. They're basically just... They're trying anti-trafficking stuff just so you can't just take kids across state lines easily. But it has to go through the state that you're in, and he was born in Florida, so we had to stay in Florida until Florida let us go and until Alabama let us come home. So they had to see, like, his shot records and also to make sure you're not bringing, like, a sick child with measles or something into the state. So um, they told us it could be seven I think they said seven to ten days, maybe fourteen at the most, and I was there three weeks. And with Ben here, with the two big kids, working and trying to get them to school, and me just feeling very stuck and alone. Um, and I mean, it wasn't my first baby, so I was very thankful that I didn't feel overwhelmed. You know, I mean, having one baby felt like a vacation to me. I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. Like, he sleeps all the time. Um, but that only lasted a couple of days, and then I was like, I'm bored. Like, this is, I'm done with this. Um, so, yeah, we were there a really long time, and that drug on, and the last probably... Um, I don't know, week and a half, mom was with me, and praise God, because I was going totally crazy by this point. I mean, I cried every day just begging to go home. I missed my kids so bad. Um, and, I mean, you know, just the logistics of taking care of them for that long with Ben having a full-time job just didn't really work. But I kept calling Miss Julie, and Miss Julie kept saying, we are going to get you home. And finally, Miss Julie worked her magic, and she got us home. But, um, And then also, because um, we also had to do, like, post home study visits, like, after we got home, and our finalization took so long it took a year to finalize after we got home which is very uncommon but we had all kinds of crazy paperwork junk happen um so miss julie got to come see us for a long long time so she's like a grandmother now to my kids it's very sweet yes she's part of the family um i just want to say katie was i can't tell you what a gift she is to me i've got this kind of warrior heart I'm real mean. <laughs> and I, you know, she's right. She gave me a little plate that says, make it happen. And it's sitting in my kitchen. 
Because she did. She made it happen. So when she went back, when she went back, I didn't have the faith she had. She teaches me. She's a gift to me. And she has taught me to have faith and not to give up. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've been a social worker since 1969. <laughs> so I've seen a lot. And I get, you get jaded and you get cynical. But Katie has saved me. She, I see now that my faith, my faith needs to, needs to be in play sometimes too. I don't have to get out there and fuss and scream at people. And have <laughs> sometimes. Just let go. Katie's right. Rest in God. Just rest. Rest in God. And as a mother, to watch your daughter. <laughs> and, I, and I do trust him. And I know in every single thing in our life, he's been right there. But watching her through all those tragedies was the greatest pain of But you're right. He, we, when you know him, you know he's there through all of it. But when you're experiencing the pain, it's so hard to just go, oh, God, I love you, and just, I know you're right there. It's just so hard. But if you could see into the future, you know he's going to take you through it no matter what, and all things work together. Good. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you all so much for coming. Thank you. We're so glad you joined us today for Katie's story. And I've always loved stories of adoption because I have two adopted daughters myself, but I have never before been so touched by a story of a relationship between an adoptive mama and a birth mama. And Katie shed a beautiful light and a realistic one too on what an open adoption might look like. And I absolutely love the idea of them throwing a shower for the birth mom and can only imagine the impact that that had on that birth mama's heart. And while they no longer have contact, I know that Katie's kindness and forgiveness and support will stay with that birth mom for years and years to come. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode. And if you haven't seen on social media, we're changing our schedule so that new episodes will come out on Wednesdays as opposed to Tuesdays. So we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can find us on social media. It's at Storytellers Live. Or you can also find more information on our website, storytellerslive.org. And we would love to connect with you. If you get a chance to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, that would be amazing. All of those reviews help the podcast just increase its presence and reach new people on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to Storytellers Live, and we hope you'll join us again soon.